Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie. Everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. We're going to do things in a little bit of a different order here, but we're going to mostly be talking about uh, the Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Green Book. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars, but we're going to do that first, actually, just in general. So, guys, um, I wanted to ask you about the Oscars and just in general kind of how you feel about them. But I thought I'd paint you a picture real quickly of my oldest um, Oscar memory. I've been watching the Oscars since I was a young boy. As you know, I always have loved movies. I didn't have the Patriots and the Bruins and the Nerd. Red Sox to keep me company when I was younger. So I had to well, had We to didn't love have the that Oscars. when we were younger. Let's be clear. We suffered, Chapin. Well, we had it. They just were bad. Exactly. Well, yeah. Exactly. Well, at least you had something. So uh, and my, my oldest memory is... Um, I guess it comes from um, the Oscars that occurred in 1999, so it would have been for the 98 year. Uh, I was sitting in my mom's basement alone. Um, no one would watch the Oscars with me, including my parents, uh, and uh, no friends would join me. And I was 14. A good we get it. You were, you were lonely. 70 pounds lighter. So piss yourself a picture of that. And then, you know, of course, like a, 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 the remnants of a spaghetti dinner um, laying on the, on the um, coffee table. And both of you having lived with me know what that looks like. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that night's spaghetti dinner. That's what, that's what he's trying to say. <laughs> and, uh, um, of course, uh, Saving Private Ryan, a film I, I still love, but at that time really loved um, and was rooting for, had won all, every, pretty much everything it was nominated for. Um, it won Best Director, and it was seemed to be a shoe-in for Best Picture. But then, um, very surprisingly, uh, Shakespeare in Love won, and I jumped to my feet and spat out whatever spaghetti I had left in my mouth and screamed at the TV and proceeded to shut it you, off. You were pissed, I right? Was, like was, you were legitimately pissed. I was legitimately mad, and so yeah, I remember um, that year. <laughs> so I'd like, to, I'd love to know what you guys think of the Oscars. I think since we've been doing this podcast, I've been paying a little bit closer attention to this award season, and um, I have some thoughts on it. But I guess I'd love to hear what you guys think about sort of, you know, what what is the purpose of the Oscars, and what kind of role do you guys think it has in filmmaking? Kind of as it pertains to the stuff that we talk about on the podcast, um, and you know, just just your feelings in general. Well, I remember those days too, Chapin. Um, you know, I I don't know how many times Jeremy and I you know threatened to shut the Oscars off and never watch again if somebody won, and I'm sure. That continued, you know, into our friendship with you, and you got a bit of that with us. Um, but for a number of years, that sort of went away, I guess, between these podcast editions, and um, I sort of welcomed that back this past weekend. Sort of, <laughs> I sort of missed it. I sort of enjoyed, you know, being that invested in the Oscars. Right. Um, but to answer your question, like I think you know, we've talked a little bit about it and like I've sort of settled on, you know, the Oscars and the award ceremonies in general with the exception of course of the Fixies uh, is really, it's just this self-congratulatory 
thing for movie stars and, you know, the Hollywood elite. And I just don't hold it in as high a regard as I think I once did, Um, which I I think is a little bit too bad because, you know, I, I like that at least there's something that kind of awards the best. Obviously, as you kind of mentioned, you know, we see a lot of that here in New England. Um, And, you know, it's the competitive part of me that wants to see, you know, the competition and the, 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 the best team win for lack of a better description. Um, But when all is said and done, like I, I don't tend to get too wrapped up in, you know, what happens with the awards, because I think time is the true testament to movies. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question only because my opinion on the Oscars has certainly changed over the last decade or so. And back in the day, you were talking about like 98, 99. um, I was very invested in the Oscars, but I think what it had going for it that it doesn't have going for it now is it it was sort of the center of the discussion around film. Right. Like those were the films back then that you wanted to go and catch up with and see and then, you know, go and see Roger Ebert's review of it. Um, watch Mystery Science Theater making fun of those movies at that time. Like that was where that was sort of everybody funneled into the Oscars. But I think ironically or interestingly enough because of social media and because of the internet and because of what we're doing right now um, it isn't the only sort of funneling place to go to talk about or to get uh, your film fix per se Um, there's only really one place for that yeah there's only one place for that but so I think it I was a lot more invested back then because it was the end all be all and now you know you can because of streaming and you know everything else that's out there you can still have you you know you can find your way into different movies you would never have even thought of back in 1998 like we wouldn't even known uh, how you know uh, there wouldn't have been a lot of these sort of independent movies that we would seek out like eighth grade or something you know like something like that um it would either make it to the Oscars or it wouldn't, and you'd have to sort of figure out going to certain theaters that were, you know, 50 miles away to, to see that one movie you didn't catch. Um, so I think that's why it, it's changed for me, because now you can see, you, you know, you can catch up with them online, and you can figure, you know, and it's not even... In the you know just because it was nominated for an Oscar now you're like okay so what it doesn't really matter uh, you know I'm gonna form my own opinion on this the po- the political piece of the the Oscars too and this ties to the social media point that you made Jeremy and just the 24 hour news cycle like so much about the Oscars has nothing to do with the movies anymore that it's a little bit draining too like I mean at, at one point you just don't want to hear anymore about you know the this person or this person and you know whether or not they were the best actor this year because you know they also have a sordid history and you know not on top of that the you know continuous uh overcompensation that the oscars seem to make going back and forth every year trying to self-correct their mistakes um 
you know, as I feel like something that just dominates the the public eye, as opposed to go see this movie because it's great. Right. And these movies were nominated because they're great. They're the recommendations that you know the the Academy makes. Um, that I don't even know if that's out there. I don't even remember seeing anything about that. Yeah, it's, it's becoming all, more it's all, and more. It's all pain- Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper are together. But it's also become more and more painfully clear that the Oscars are more about touching on what they think is important, sort yep. of sign of the times, than actually awarding the movies that are considered. You know, or awarding the movies that are the best movies. Yeah, I I think well, that's. A I don't really... know if that's new, if or if we just see more of it, because of course we all had all these comparisons to 1989 with Driving Miss Daisy winning over Do the Right Thing and things like that. So I believe that that's probably been happening for years, but we just hear so much more about it now. It, yeah, it's it's. I I think that's a really interesting point that you both bring up. I I've been following. Um, a couple of podcasts and been reading a lot more I think just because we've been doing this podcast and I've been a little bit more connected to the narrative about movies this year um, and there's so much that happens in you know these the lead up to the Oscars and it, what I found very interesting was that the, the discussion so rarely is about this person did the best job you know and yeah <clears throat> even amongst people who are not even a part of the oscars they're just you know analyzing uh the award shows leading up to the oscars the conversation happens around you know should black panther win or should it not and the, the things you just identified the political aspects of it which i, I don't think is a um a bad conversation to have but it, it does seem like the um the sort of the this idea that like the Oscars are reflective of both themselves as like as the the Academy as an entity. They got you know there was that <clears throat> excuse me there was that year when the the Oscars so white thing came out, um, and I I remember thinking that like yeah that is this is a problem right like like you know it's every, every nominee is white. This is the you know it was in the late two thousands and that that. They shouldn't be happening, but how can it be reflective of an organization? Like it's, and then how can they change? It's not like it's a group of people voting on something. It's like how do you influence a an organization to, um, you know, kind of make this big change one way or the other without, you know, kind of uh, throwing away any sense of. Uh, I don't know this. The idea of this being a voting body, right? Like they, it's made up of thousands of people. I would assume. Well, let's get into that, Lee. Um, do you want to sort of have that discussion about how Best Picture is determined? Yeah, sure. Um, so Best Picture, from what I read, is is who's, who's flicking their ice? Sorry, is sorry. Voted on. Best Picture is voted on differently than all the other. Uh, awards, which essentially are a popular vote. Um, whatever has the most <clears throat> number one votes wins. Um, it's a, called a preferential va- ballot, right? So, well, so that's the so that's the the preferential ballot is how they determine best picture. Um, the the process of the nominations is is a little bit confusing and not really worth discussing. But the it's the same process. It's a little bit clearer when when determining the winner. And basically, what happens is uh, to to be to be the best picture, to, to win best picture, a movie needs to receive 51% of the first place votes. Now, 
Um, just to make it simple, and if I have to kind of use examples, we'll just say for argument's sake that there's 100 voters and there's five nominees, just to make it easy. So um, let's assume the first ballots all come in and three movies receive 25% of the first place votes. Basically, they were listed at number one on their list. Everybody votes one, two, three, four, and five. So from there, because nothing has 51%, which is pretty rare if you think about, you know, nine nominees or eight nominees, the likelihood of something getting right off the bat 51%, that would be pretty high. That would be a pretty clear winner. Um, But once they get that first round in, whatever had the lowest percentage, let's say something had 5%, uh, all of the, that movie is eliminated. And everybody who had that as number one on their list, their number two now moves to number one and is factored into the percentages again. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they continuously do that until a movie ends up with 51%. So with that possibility, you know, when you get to you know, the third or fourth round of this, you're looking at possibly people's third, fourth, fifth choices ending up in a number one spot potentially as it goes more and more. So what you end up with usually is a Best Picture winner that everybody liked, but not necessarily the majority of the people loved and found to be the best movie. So what... But it's different than how, like, we did our fix these votes for example where right there's no points involved it's right. just a, it's just a percentage so um let's say let's just pick five of the movies that were were nominated this year let's say green book on that first vote got 25 percent the favorite got 25 percent um uh, a star is born got 10 percent black panther got 10 percent and um this isn't gonna equal uh, <laughs> hundred percent but you get what i'm saying so let's so and then uh black klansman got five so now black klansman is eliminated let's say everybody who voted for black klansman had green book at number two now that puts a whole lot higher percentage on green book and it moves closer to 51 percent we lose uh, uh, a star is born is now eliminated and now everybody green book gets a bunch more so it's just, you know, you first you get a couple people whose second choice was Green Book, and then a few people whose third choice was Green Book. And like I said, it just is, gives you it gives you a movie that everybody who voted seemed to like and think was worthy of its nomination. Right. But but with nine and with nine nominees or eight nominees this year or whatever it was, like you potentially have like people once those nominations are in, people saying this was the least qualified but eventually it's possible it made it up towards the top of the list unlikely it made it all the way to the top before something got to 51 percent but either way you kind of get the point um i don't think this is necessarily a bad way to tally the ballots but i also don't know that it's necessary i honestly i think the way we did it is a better way for them to do it just assign a score per thing and then add up the scores and whoever is the highest yeah there must be a reason why they didn't do that though don't you think? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't it know. It seems like there's a lot more legwork with the, what Lee just described. Yeah, they have to, like, continuously recount the votes every time once uh, and um, with the way that they do it, with the preferential balloting. And then how do they do it with the rest of them? Do we know? It's just almost, it's just every, like, the most number one. <clears throat> so they don't have to get to 51%. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I don't know what they do if the, in the instance that there's a tie in the percentage or something, but from what I could tell, it sounds like every they just do, you know, most votes for number one gets gets the win in all the other categories. So there there could have been another movie that had the most number one vo- votes and still not won Best Picture. Well, they're def- it's very possible, yeah, because there could have yeah. been, you know, it, you know it, if Green Book was everybody's second choice— you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. let's say... But no one say, voted for it for first choice. It could right. still win. A Star is Born, um, let's say, was every, was a bunch of people's first, but not a, not 51%. But then, you know, everybody else had something else listed. Those drop off, and now you have a huge percentage of number two green book was is now number one. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's unlikely that it was nobody's, obviously. But, well, it couldn't have been nobody's because it would have dropped off. But, you know... It's, um, it's a high percentage of people that could have had it lower on their list. Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? There's going to be problems. Promise me you're gonna write me a letter. No promise. Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. Be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction Oof. could use some finessing. Why you break my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balalonga. Dear Dolores. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. Um, so it, it, you know, it's kind of interesting because we took a lot of time and a lot of effort to try to make sure we saw as many films as we could for our own award show, The Fixies. And two of the movies we just were not able to get to before our show, and because we kind of had preferential treatment towards some because based on what critics said and based on sort of the reaction of audiences to these films that we just we weren't able to see green book and bohemian rhapsody two movies that did pretty pretty well at the oscars um so here we are we're a week out of it winning best picture and we're like well you know what let's all take the time to see it and you know form our own opinions on this much like we did with shape of water i think roughly around the same time as well yes yep. so that being said did you let any of the negativity or the hype influence your your own opinion on this movie so that's a good question i mean you guys may have garnered this based on the text I sent before I'd even left the theater. I, I was pretty hot after this movie. I was pretty pissed off. Yeah. Um, I've cooled off, fortunately. I've had a week to calm myself down and sort of <laughs> gain gain some perspective. Lee, Lee's like, it should have won more awards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, basically, so our listeners know, I mean, I, I wasn't, 
out of my seat yet before I text Jeremy and Chapin. I'm like, I cannot wait to talk about this movie because I just had so many things that on my mind after that movie ended. Um, you know, I was still reeling from the audience that I had to uh, bear it with. Um, <laughs> that just, I, I don't. This shouldn't they, annoy they me. They ate but it I, up, right? Uh, yeah, and it shouldn't annoy me. But like, I'm like, all of you fucking people are here because this thing won Best Picture. And you didn't see any of the other movies. You just are gonna. You're just going to see this at it because it won Best Picture. And like, I'm looking around. I'm like, and this movie is right up your fucking alley. You are a bunch I of loved old you. white people. <laughs> like, and it makes I'm, them feel better about themselves. And and they're talking during it, like talking, like talking with the movie. You know what I mean? Like, like they're part of it. Like this is the. Oh my god. So I was. I'm I, glad you cooled down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were you like when you were in the theater? Jesus. I, imagine oh if God. Lee stood up, like, we knowingly, imagine if Lee stood up and said that to an audience, like, after. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, so, I don't know. I, like, should I? Should we reveal our opinions now? Are we just going to yes. dive right in? Well, um, we know yours, so go ahead. No, you, you know what? This loved is, it. This is not a bad movie. Okay? No. This had no business winning Best Picture, though. No business. Yeah. It is a seriously, seriously flawed movie. And what might be more egregious than the best picture win is the best screenplay win. Oh, 100%. And I've got a list of things that I think we should you know, go through, but let's. Let, I want to hear what you guys, for well, initial reactions. I, I, my initial reaction is the same as yours, Lee, except for I was home alone by myself, so... It was only, you know, it was only me. I couldn't. You, you had know, no one to yell at. Yeah, I had no one to yell at. Um, but yeah, initially, like I had pretty much the same reaction. But I, I wasn't that hot about it because I knew I was. I, I figured I was going to have that reaction to it. Yeah. Um, so, and also this was after you had sent your text. So I was like, <laughs> I, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. I, I thought it was interesting that. I thought this movie, if this movie had come out in like 1995, I could see how that would win Best Picture in 1995. But in 2018, it just seems so disconnected from reality. Spineless. It's spineless. Yeah, it doesn't. It it's just so like it just presents it in such a paint by numbers way a, a palate cleanser of racism if you you know yeah. if you will um that i was like i, I was confused as to where like what what decade i was in like it just didn't seem to it just didn't seem to speak to anything in our time totally it's super outdated it's super naive like and that doesn't and, and even and that doesn't even get into like the filmmaking itself which i thought was very paint by numbers the score was super manipulative it, it didn't know if it wanted to be goodfellas or shawshank redemption it you know it like it it it, it was messy in in the filmmaking aspect of it as well and that's nothing to say to do with the subject matter Chapin's like best picture of the year. Yeah, yeah I'm curious. I, I loved it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I that would have been interesting if you did yeah. love it. I had that same thought. It was. I just kept saying, why did this win? I kept saying, wondering what the other for the other shoe to drop, like when this film was going to get good. And I, I disagree with you, Jeremy. I don't think this would. I don't think this would have. I, I I think this would have been an anomaly even in, in 1995. Um, I, I just don't think it's that good. It's not it's not serious enough. It's also not funny enough. It's it's not it isn't 
it didn't really I mean we can get more into the the racial elements of it and I think you made a really great point Jeremy but like divorcing ourselves completely from that it just wasn't it just didn't do any it didn't it didn't it wasn't funny it it wasn't serious and it didn't really have a lot to say um and I, I I don't know that movies like that really you know have any business winning awards you know I um I'm, you know that's not to say we just talked about the Oscars plenty of movies win that shouldn't win plenty of, you know the movie we all kind of shat on Shape of Water on our on our podcast last year I think we all might have liked it but it had maybe maybe we you know but but we we you can understand why it won I guess but I this had no business even being nominated I don't I don't understand. Um, and that's that was my takeaway. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I, the, not understanding is kind of a perfect way to put it. Like, I don't know, like because of the audience I saw it with, and I'm just like seeing them eat this up and like laugh at these like dumb jokes and like this the I have to tell you guys like the the scene when he folds the whole pizza in half. The guy next to me is like, oh, that's my kind of guy. Literally, oh. like in the th- I'm like, God, Whoa. you people like. Like, like, take a step back for a second. Like, look at the world you're living in. And, like, I get maybe this is, like, the, the, I don't know. I hate to do this. But, like, is this – this is just the white guilt movie of the year, right? Like, it, yeah. it's, and well, it's, it's cause, yeah. because it's so easy. Like, they can just sit back and enjoy it and say, yep, this, this main character was racist and now he's not and neither am I. All right, and they walk I, out of the. I would have done like the a, same thing. Yeah, I, I can see why he changed his ways. And yeah. on that note, uh, okay, Viggo Mortensen's racist, right at the beginning of this movie, and we know this because he There's threw the cups slight, away, right? Yeah, that's the only that's sort right. of indication. Okay. And his yeah, wife yeah. is not racist because she took the cups back out of the trash. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, I mean, that's, making that's, sure hey, I got understood Oscar the, best screenplay. Yeah, understood the the, uh, the the script. Okay. Um, Look, like, look, here's the thing. That's why this movie got nominated and won Best Picture, because there's so many people like this full theater that I had but that, that are the, Academy the voters. The full theater is not, is not voting. No, but that's they were representa- there were enough people there to just be a representation of like what the Academy. Want I feel of. like the Academy is not those people you're sitting with. That's what's interesting to I, me and yeah, why I don't understand how it won. This is the, this is the same Academy that, you know, picked... Um, no country for old men to win, you know, right. 11 years ago. Which is yeah. what we're saying is an amazing movie. An amazing so, movie. Right. But um, I, I think there's important to point out with the race thing that, it, you know, it's this it's this white savior narrative. You know, that's that's what we get back to. I mean, I think that's inappropriate for a, a, a number of reasons. I mean, the idea that this white guy is teaching this black guy about black culture that is offensive on a whole different level. But I do think... And I have to say that I kind of I I felt if I felt anything toward this movie, it was in those moments. You know, you you feel there's something cathartic for the white the people who uh, you know experience white guilt, which to some extent is all of us, I guess. Where you yeah, see, yeah, I mean, the, we should point out in case this is anybody's first time listening, we are like three like as white as you can get guys doing this podcast. So, well, speak for yourself, Lee. Jesus, yeah, jeez, yeah, you're as white as you can yeah. get. I have well, a little culture. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you when you see Viggo Mortensen stand up for Mahersha Ali's character, it it there's a there's sort of a, 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 a an emotional reaction you experience. Like, yes, I, that's what I would do. Or God, I wish I had the, I wish I had the, 
you know, balls to do that. And that's it's like the right thing happening on screen. And and I don't want to say that that shouldn't ever be a part of film, right? I mean, like to some extent, of course, right. it's 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 not it's not a it's not a bad thing inherently that you know these two characters connect and they become friends and there's a little bit of a uh, you know we can all kind of identify with that and appreciate it and and like it, but it isn't a it is that aspect of of storytelling this this you know the the, the sort of connection we see when we see someone doing a good thing and 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 defying. Racism and defying the sort of um, the status quo, it's not. It isn't indicative of the black experience. It's indicative of the white experience, and we're having a white experience while watching it. And it's 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 one we've had many many times. And even if we sit there and experience the same thing that the people in the audience that you saw with Lee experienced, and presumably people, you know, the old fuddy duddy white people, the Oscars experienced. Um, we have to acknowledge that that isn't that isn't a nuanced uh, look at racial <clears throat> racial relations, and it's it's it is a particularly white centric look. You know, both in how it's depicted on screen and how we are experiencing it. Yeah, no, it's a very it's a great point, and I have two two points I want to bring up about this movie. One to defend it is that it is an interesting story. Like if you sat down you know, 20 years ago at a bar and this guy uh, that Viggo Mortensen played, Tony Lip, whatever his name was, uh, was next to you and started telling you this story as it actually happened. You'd be like, that's that's an amazing story. Like you, you would say, oh, that's that's interesting. It doesn't it does not translate to film. And for all the reasons you just mentioned, Chapin, but it is, you know, the fact that it's true and the fact that it happened is interesting. I, my uh, my yeah, other point, yeah, my other point is is just to your point, Lee, about how this won best screenplay because all it does, it, it was like the writers were like, what what is a stereotype that yeah. we can manipulate? Oh, you know, African Americans like fried chicken. What if the Italian likes fried chicken? Brilliant. Write it down. Next. But and can then, I make like, a point about that real quick? Yeah. So like the. I didn't find this movie funny either, as you guys mentioned, but, like, there were a couple chuckles, in particular when he sees the Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he's like, in Kentucky, when's that ever going to happen again? And insists he pulls over. That quick one line, yeah, a little bit funny. Yeah, but, but that then has they nothing just to do beat with it any- into submission. This is a director that comes from comedy. They just, like, beat this ch- fried chicken joke down so much into the not only racial stereotypes, but just not something that's just not funny anymore that you're like, enough. And then... They bring it back again later. <laughs> yeah. Well, my point, my point was just that, like, in 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 taking these stereotypes and reversing them, you're 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 just being, uh, you know, you're you're just doing the exact same thing. Like, you're not you're not like you're not making anything better. You're just doing it in an opposite way, and it right. doesn't work. Well, the other thing, like, I mean, you you point point out that there's, you know. If you hear this story, it's interesting, but doesn't 
it doesn't translate to the screen, but I don't understand why it couldn't have. I mean, this is... It, it may... It could have. It's a it terrible script, but they they could have done something with this. Like it, like you said, like there's a lot of things that are interesting. Like, on top of the fact that this is this quote-unquote racist guy driving uh, a black man through the, the John Crow South, Jim Crow South, whichever one it is, um, the... <laughs> Uh, he's uh, um, Mahershala Ali's character is is also gay, and we learn that through a very, did you roll very your, I safe mean, scene. How much did you roll your eyes when he he was all there was that scene as well? Well, it was it was so another example of this movie having no backbone. Like let's my eyes almost it. got stuck in my head when that happened. But what bothered me is that he says thank you for for help and tells Viggo Mortens thank you for helping him and he's just like doc I've been working in New York nightclubs all my life I, you know you think I I haven't seen stuff like this I'm like oh so why are you so tolerant all of a sudden like what changed about your character that it, you're so tolerant of this you know it just there's nothing there to yeah. to show the change in the characters it, you know Mr. McKee says your characters have to change and that doesn't it does but you don't see why um, you know, but, but does he change? Because it seems like he's right when, it, like, I was expecting that he was going to react to Mahershala's to, to Don Shirley's, you know, blackness when he went in for the interview. But it seemed like he and expected that. He, like, yeah, he wasn't that thrown by. He wasn't it. thrown I mean, by it, and then it seems like that was the end of his racism once he knew the guy he was working for was was gonna it was black. I mean, you don't Look, really... He- I, what, what I think would have been okay is, like, he doesn't have to be racist. I think that, that like, with the aforementioned scene with the cups in the kitchen um, paints the picture that he is, but he didn't need to be. But he also, what could have changed about him is his perception of, you know, what racism is and, like, what, it you know, what uh, Doc, Don Shirley is going to go through in the South. And to see that firsthand you know, his perspective can change, but that doesn't happen either. Like not like, like you said, maybe he doesn't really change that much. I don't think either of them do throughout this whole journey. It's a journey without change. It's yeah. a journey back to the start well, where the only different, well, the only difference is the beginning. There was some African-American people who were working with them in the house. And at the end, there's a, there's a guy that's going to be eating with them. That's the only difference that happened. Yeah, but the thing, but Linda Cardellini, his wife, was always ex- like uh, tolerant and accepting. So like that, it wasn't. It was no surprise that there was someone eating there with them. Like, I mean, yeah, well, not, that was not even that was the other thing. The last scene that, of this movie, like, exactly. That was the whole family was all of a sudden tolerant yeah. in the last scene. Um, I don't know. Did you guys have any positive takeaways from this movie? I don't. I mean, I thought Viggo Mortensen. I liked his. I've never seen really? him like that before. Yeah. I, oh I my thought god! He was I thought good. he was a fucking cartoon. I liked him. Uh, I mean, I, I liked both joke. of their performances. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, mean, they were both it, good. I think if you acknowledge that they were working with a ridiculous screenplay and exactly, and the, I think they the did direction the best or they whatever. I I, <clears throat> I listened to a couple interviews with. Um, Peter, what are we calling him? Farrell, Farrelly? Peter Farrelly. Farrelly. No, it's Farrelly. We're not, it's Farrelly. We're not it's, giving him the credit. <laughs> Peter we're not Farrelly. giving him it yet. And, and uh, like, he, he, one, he sounds like a dumber, you know, like as if he would have been played by Jeff Bridges if somebody played his, <laughs> played him in a movie. But yeah. also. In some like, random movie. Like, any, any he movie. doesn't, he's been criticized for a lot of 
you know, kind of, you know, sticking his feet in his mouth and and saying some stupid shit on, uh, you know, in the lead up to this movie. And, and, and in this interview on the DGA podcast, I don't know if you've listened to that, Lee. I know you sometimes listen to it. He he calls them like a bunch of guidos and like he wanted the most guido America. Like, like this guy hasn't learned anything about how to just like talk about these issues. And you can see that like this is a very broadly painted uh, in a very bad way, screenplay and story, and you assume that he that he directed um, Vigo to be this you know this kind of over the top Italian guy. But if you consider that his, um, I think those two performances were quite good, and it it kind of made me wish that these guys had. You know, like, and, and this story is moving too, in a way. I, like, I, I think the problem I had with all the hype around the film before I saw it was that, you know, I wouldn't, you wouldn't, you would never, you would never want to tell a filmmaker or really anybody that they couldn't make a story, you know, like, especially a true story. Like, this is, this is something that really happened, although there's some debate as to, like, you know, the feelings of the, of the, the main characters and, um, if, you know, how much of it is true, we don't know. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the story. It's the telling of it that's the problem. And so I wish you we could have seen these guys in, in a better version of this story. Yeah, um, imagine imagine these two guys who were good in this having nuanced characters to work with that were both, you know, good and evil and liked each other and hated each other in really nuanced ways. You would have a good movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Mahershala Ali was fine in this movie. Um and I like him a lot, but again, not especially in the company that he kept in that category. Not an Oscar-winning performance, especially uh, not definitely you know not. in comparison to the, the, the fixie winner Timothy Chalamet. Um, mm-hmm. Viggo Mortensen, look like you guys might be 100% right. Like this, this was a, a a script issue and a direction issue, and not Viggo Mortensen's fault. He certainly embodied that character, but like I just couldn't like take it seriously. Like it was just it was a joke. I mean, I'll me. give I'll I'll give you this, Lee. He went all in. He went all well, in. Totally for sure. So I mean you can either give him credit for that and if you don't like it, I mean I can see how you could hate it. But I, I I gave him credit for it. Yeah, and I and I think you're probably right, Chapin, that like, you know, Peter Farrelly has should be taking the the brunt of the blame here and perhaps the one thing the Academy got right was not nominating him for best director because he did not like you could tell from that director's guild interview he did not have his finger on the pulse of this movie like he he makes a big uh, note about the folding the pizza in half scene and how he didn't want it in the movie you know but the cast insisted and then it, everybody laughed when it happened so he was like okay let's keep it in there you that's know, such a strange thing to fixate on right I know but like uh, you know f- the thing is that like he that's a that is a a, a a micro example of the director not knowing what he wants, and well, it's I don't also think- someone who's like who's been you know making movies and you know making you know good comedies for twenty plus years, yeah. and and you go into those test screenings and you're looking for the laughs, you know, and and that's not what you're looking for in a movie like this. You having a laugh? <laughs> yeah. uh, you, uh, <laughs> just like you wanted, Chapin. Do you know? But do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you, when you test a movie, you're yeah, looking that, for that those res- funny that laughs. And that's not is synonymous with good. Yeah. And what's what's sort of embarrassing for Peter Farrelly is that like he don't give him that credit. <laughs> he like this is a dramatic movie, and he's directing it without his brother for the first time. And it's and it's it's exactly as you would think. Like this is like it's 
you know, if you like the the math adds up exactly as you would as you would think that like you know this guy who's made um, comedies his whole life makes a drama for the first time that has a lot of kind of you know sensitive subjects in it and kind of blows it. Okay, so our top five this week, as I mentioned in the intro, came from a listener, and it is our um, how would we say this, guys? Our top five. Uh, critically acclaimed films that we believe are overrated. Um, do you guys want a great way to say it? If you, you guys, can get the tie-in, then uh, with uh, this week's show, email us. <laughs> oh yeah, podcast.com. There will be a big prize. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's kind of true. Although Green Book didn't get crazy good reviews from the critics, as yes, it was six sixty-nine. Yeah, on uh, um, Metascore. So okay, let's um let's do it. Let, let uh, so so uh, Lee, uh, Jeremy, why don't you start us off? And would you please tell us what your criteria was? How did you how did you end up ranking these? So my criteria was if it had a Metacritic score. Not all these had a Metacritic score because some of them are old, but it had to at least have a Metacritic score of eighty or above. Oh wow! Okay. So um, it had to it had to be critically acclaimed, um, or it. Um, or it had, or I guess it had to have done really well at the Oscars, the year it came out, mm. because some of these movies <clears throat> o- over time um, have uh, lost some of their critically critical acclaim, but did really well um, at the Oscars. So that being said, my number five actually <laughs> has a hundred on Metacritic. Oh my god! And, wow! Yeah. It is Lawrence of Arabia. And I recently rewatched this like a couple years ago. It's just, it's, it may be me. It just may not be for me. But it is a tough five and a half hours or whatever length <laughs> it is. Um, the length of the fixies. Yeah, to get through. Um, it's not bad. And, I, you know, it's not bad. It's just I, I don't see it being as highly rated as it is. Hmm. I like that movie. It's been years since I've seen it, but I always kind of well. There were others. Yeah, there were others there with my like you know old epics that I thought was actually really great. Yeah, there were others I wanted to put on this list, but I hadn't seen them for years, and I right. had happened to revisit this. I think about three years ago, so it was close and you know close enough in time that I was able to put it on this list. Yeah, I think that's a good. Um, I think that's a good pick. Uh, and I think it meets the criteria. It's almost like another top five we can do, like, you know, classics that we just don't like. It would be another interesting idea. Um, Lee, why don't you kick us off? Or why don't you go next, please? All right. Um, so I, I did something similar in terms of how to um, define this list. I, I went with a lower meta score. I said 70. Um, I don't know if that – I know that there's little um, – subtitles with the scores and i think universal acclaim is like high 80s or something on metacritic but yeah um just to pick at random to you know have a number i went with 70 on on metacritic but i was also you know taking into consideration i don't know kind of just that that pulse that that uh overall impression that you just feel of a movie like because mm. sometimes you know you can look at a, a score on metacritic and you're like yeah nobody actually thinks that movie is that good anymore um and, and, you know, time changes things. So I kind of took that into consideration, too. Um, I do, unfortunately, have a lot of relatively more recent movies on my list. So for that, I apologize. And I ranked them based on that Metascore. I went from um, 
low to high. So the my number one is the highest score um, that I have on the list. But my number five is 2009's The Hangover, starring Fixie Award-winning Bradley Cooper. That was an honorable mention for me, but um, it didn't have a high enough meta score. Yeah, so that it has a 73 on Metacritic. Um, but you know that is the that's the the secondary piece of this. Like I just never understood people's love of this movie. I don't find it funny at all. I didn't like the characters in it. They were unlikable. I didn't like the performances. This was right in the heart of when I really didn't like Bradley Cooper, um, especially as a comedic actor. I don't find Ed Helms to be that good or that funny. Zach Galifianakis, perhaps the high no, high point of that movie, but yeah, it was one I I, I never could understand. Um, but it was certainly, you know, loved across the board when that came out. Yeah, no, it was definitely on my list. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a similar list to you. My, my um, criteria, Lee, was uh, 80 or above, I think, universal acclaim on is the subtitle on Metacritic. Um, Maybe I should have done that. And they happen to be actually in chronological order, so they go from newest to oldest. Um and my number five is Hell or High Water, um, a film that I didn't hate. I, I liked it. I just just did not understand why it was nominated for Best Picture and has an 80-something on Metacritic. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I find these uh, – these. I think I, I might be particularly offended by this one because I, I generally like movies like this, the sort of violent modern westerns. But um, – yeah, I just I just wasn't blown away by it, and I didn't I I, I, I it's it's a claim just 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 made no sense to me. Um, so I liked the movie. I liked it, but I will say, and I'll ask you guys: Did were you guys tired of this Jeff Bridges by this movie? Like, yeah, that was I think that was the movie. I'm like, it, does Jeff Bridges has a contract where he has to wear a cowboy hat? Yeah, and talk that way, and like I, I just yeah. felt like all right, like enough of this already. Um. That's why when he he appeared in the El Royale, you know, without a cowboy hat, I was I was grateful. <laughs> I was like, hey, I remember this guy. All right, my number four. Now we're going way back. Maybe I'm just being a little bit snobby, but uh, I remember watching this movie a few years ago. Maybe it was like five years ago, and just absolutely not liking it at all and it's literally on like afi's top 100 it's considered one of the best movies of all time it's considered like the original sort of romantic you know quick wit back and forth comedy uh and it's bringing up baby with Cary grant and katherine hepburn um it's a weird plot that involves a pet leopard and these two characters that you know obviously dislike each other and come to like each other and i just i just really did not understand why this movie was so highly rated uh in film history let alone in the year it came out so uh there you go okay my number four has a 78 on metacritic um the big reason for me putting on putting this one on the list was because of another movie this same director uh, put out this same year that has less acclaim, lower score, and fewer, I believe, uh, award nominations. But number four is Gran Torino 
from Clint Eastwood oh, in 2008. That's a great pick. Same year yes. as Changeling, which I think could be one of his best movies um, that has like a low 60s or something on Metascore. But I, I hated this one right out of the door. I mean, I, I didn't. I thought this was very poorly done. I thought the acting was just terrible. And Eastwood has sort of a history of, of being able to overcome some bad performances, especially from kids, but didn't hear. Um, and I think that one suffered a little bit like the like Green Book did, like the guy next to you with the pizza. Everyone yeah. was just like, oh, yeah, that's me, on the, the old grumpy man yeah. on the front porch. Th- that's racist. In 2008, yeah. that was okay. Yeah, that was fine, <laughs> yeah. saying, get off my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I, I can't be sure that I've seen that's this a great movie pick. since I saw it in the theater. But this was this was in the midst of, you know, I, when Eastwood was still on a really good run, I, you know, and I, I just, it was also in the, the one he was doing two movies a year. So I guess we can't hold him to too high a standard there. But yeah, this was a, a big disappointment. I don't, I didn't understand this one at all. Hmm. I kind of like that movie. <laughs> you were that guy. That was that guy. You're like, uh, yeah. Eat that yeah. pizza. Damn kids. Um, my number four is La La Land. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't understand that this one has a 90 something I believe on Metacritic um, and it won a lot of awards although obviously as we know controversially did not 93. win did not win best picture um, yeah I don't know I, I just I, I'm not a, I'm not a musical guy and <clears throat> um, I, I just think the general you know you you I don't know if you guys have a have a similar sort of um, film that you can relate this to but <clears throat> I, I found just the entire sort of feeling of the film the emotion behind the film offensive um and I, I i think i watched this on a plane and fell asleep and then watched the rest of it on the plane and so i you know i may not have given it the, the fairest shot because i had a feeling i wasn't gonna like it um and i wasn't disappointed <laughs> but are, are the rest of your picks all the other 2017 best picture nominees yeah <laughs> tough year for you um so, yeah, I, 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 uh, I just, what, what were your guys' thoughts on this movie? It's, it, it sort of just escaped our, uh, our the three of get your film fixed. So you know, but what, what were I, your guys' thoughts? I, I left this movie totally satisfied, and then by the time I got home, I was like, eh, okay, enough. I've had enough of La La Land, and I've had enough of Gosling and Emma Stone together. Um, you know, as I've mentioned many times before. So to me, it just it had no lasting impression at all. Um, I didn't take yeah, anything I, away from it in terms of like a filmmaking achievement, though, which is what I think a lot of people did. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I had no like desire to see it again anytime soon or since. Okay. All right, my number three is up in the air. Hmm. It just—I remember when it came out, and everyone thought it was so a movie of the time and maybe it was because it dealt with you know the subject matter that a lot of people were going through but i just did i didn't think it was that great yeah i think this is a good pick um i caught up with this one um again a little earlier last year around the time probably when we did tully 
Um, I wanted to kind of revisit some Jason Reitman movies, and I came to the conclusion that I have been harder on it than was warranted over the years, but you're still right. Like, this was not... I mean, the, I think I, people just responded to the... I mean, it was right after the financial crisis, yep. and, you know, it was a movie about people getting fired, but, you know, it, it wasn't as tragic as, you know, this movie wasn't as tragic tragic as it tried to portray itself out to be. Um and yeah, I just didn't connect with those characters very well. It's interesting. I, I feel like these movies come along once in a while where they have all the elements that they will be a, a film that will last in our memory for a long time, and they're but they're very topical to the time. And then once you're removed enough from the sort of the the feeling of that time period, you know, just after the financial crisis, this idea of um, you know the way kind of corporate America is going. Um, I mean, I'm sure it still feels relevant to some extent, but it's so sort of rooted in that time period that you you kind of forget about it. Like, it's a movie that I don't think is discussed a lot, despite being kind of well-regarded. The American beauty of that that year. Yeah. I wonder, wonder though, like, you know, I say I've seen it more recently. I, I of course, saw it in the theater um, and didn't like it at all when it was most topical and uh, removed from it several years and removed from that time you know that, that period i liked it more but i wonder if the people who really held it in high regard then would feel the opposite now you know what i mean if it doesn't age well for them even though it seemed to age better for me yeah he was Probably. nominated for best picture and best director for that wow pathetic didn't win anything though nominated for six oscars okay my number Three, uh, I wasn't sure I wanted to go down this road because um, it certainly could open up a can of worms and, you know, you could make the argument of what is, what is you know, critical acclaim really. But uh, mine is 2008's Iron Man, 79 on Metacritic. I feel like this was, you know, obviously one of the early Marvel movies and this was when I could still be duped by the critical reviews. Um, the Spider-Man movies also had that going for him, um, the early Tobey Maguire ones. I, I didn't like this movie nearly as much as just about everybody else in the world. Um, I think you guys are pro- maybe included in that. Um, I, you know, I wasn't really swept up in Robert Downey Jr.'s charm, um, and yeah, I, I, I feel sort of like justified in my opinion of this movie as these Marvel movies have continued and I I have felt very similarly about all of them but when this came out and you know everyone was saying no Iron Man is really really good and I was saying I don't think it is I still feel that way I like it yeah I know I know Jeremy's always (laughs) liked it too (laughs) yeah Okay, Um, my number three is a Best Picture, Best Director winner as well from 2008. It's Slumdog Millionaire. I would love to see that movie again, yeah, Yeah. to see how I feel, because I did like it when it came out. So, like, that was another one of my criteria. There's certain movies, and I'll I'll mention them after this because it may be a pick of somebody else's. There's certain movies I'm almost sure I probably don't like anymore, but did at the time. That may have not held up, yeah. but I haven't recently seen him again, and I think Slumdog Millionaire probably falls into that category, but I can't be sure. It's it's so strange how I think these films get um, 
kind of catch on, you know, like I, I, I enjoy Danny Boyle's work a lot and I just, I, I, but I think a lot of people find him hard to relate to. And I, it's just interesting that this little, the film kind of took off and boy, I was sure not a fan of it. Yeah. We could probably spend a little bit of time trying to figure out what was going on in 2008 and 2009 that got this movie eight Academy Award wins. Yeah. Because I don't think it was that good. I have, like I said, I got to see it again, but. Um, I guess a lot of it is song and sound. So you never liked it, Chapin. I, I, I really did not. And I mean, I think it's an interesting comparison to look at the just really quickly. And we can cut this out if it's not interesting. But the year before uh, to, for 2007, No Country for Old Men won over Atonement, Juno, Michael Clayton and There Will Be Blood. And then the next year, <laughs> Slumdog Millionaire won over The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost, Nixon, <laughs> Milk and The Reader. I oh, mean, talk oh about God. two diametrically <laughs> opposed years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean. God, curious case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> oh my God! All right. Um, okay, Jeremy, you're up. Number two. My number two is a little film called Avatar. Um, uh, yeah, good pick. It's just—it was obviously such a global, massive hit, and I just didn't think it was great from the get-go. I understood the the technical achievements, but the movie itself is is relatively boring and whatever happened to sam worthington yeah that's true he, he still, was a rising he still, star yeah he was like the next thing he i mean i guess be in there with uh you know the hemsworth and chris evans and you know i thought he was on their level and then i wonder if he like sudden, said no to a marvel movie <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean obviously he's it well know what he's been doing Avatar 2, Avatar 3, Avatar well, 4, and Avatar 5. Well, has 5. he been? Like, what does he have to do? Like, that's all, <laughs> it's all on a computer. I don't know. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just computers. Just, yeah. You know, computers. What did you do, Sam Worthington? It was all on a computer. <laughs> well, it ha- well, I mean, it is a little bit. I mean, there, there, how, there's two Avatar movies in post-production. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then three and no two more in pre-production yeah so. so you didn't like it you didn't like it jeremy avatar no i didn't i didn't i didn't i thought it was boring i didn't you know find it that interesting i didn't like it either that much um that to, to me like the there's, there's all these so the, there are years when the academy gets it right um hurt locker winning over avatar and uh catherine bigelow winning over cameron in 2010 was was one of them um Interestingly enough, the you know the moonlight winning I think was them getting it right. Um, that was another year ripe for them to pull a green book. Like Hidden Figures was nominated, Manchester by the Sea, like all these. I guess that's not Manchester by the Sea is not a feel good movie, but like you know a movie where they can maybe make their point but play it safe at the same time. But they went with Moonlight. Okay, my number two. Uh, finally going to go back a couple decades here on my list. Um, it is Woody Allen's Manhattan from 1979, 83 oh, on Metacritic. Fuck. I don't like Woody Allen, but this this one is one I've seen, again, relatively like recently. See, this to me is it just embodies what I don't like about him. Like, it's just too much of the, you know, depressed pseudo-intellectual conversations and I just felt like this movie didn't you know work that 
well into the story, which the the Woody Allen movies that I do like tend to do that much better. And here I, I just felt like this was just a regurgitation of his anxieties on screen. And like, because it basically is he plays a writer. What's that, wrong with that? That's it, movies. Well, you know, you I have guess, a director a bit, and a writer who regurgitates their anxieties and worries onto screen. Right, but in this case, he plays a writer that has anxieties about his talents, and he just basically like writes the story of himself. And I just feel like it doesn't work. I, I, I was disappointed. Well, I wish I was disappointed, but um, upon revisiting it and like my my constant effort to really try to see and understand the the you know love that Woody Allen gets for his movies that I've always struggled with you know I, I watched this and I was like yeah I just don't think this works so wrong you're wrong here yeah I don't know what to say to that but um I mean you're obviously uh, you know in good company people seem to hate Woody Allen now but for different reasons <laughs> yeah well that's yeah completely different reasons not because of Manhattan right <laughs> um my number two is a film um it's an older one, beloved I by hope it's a film by many by many people, um, and it's by one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, and it's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Ooh, interesting. Um, I I really don't like this movie. I watched it again, you know, having had not seen it for ten, you know probably ten or so years, um, and it, it it its charm was lost on me to say the least. And uh, um, I I don't know. I mean, it's 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 interesting because Spielberg was in such a you know, he had a lot of good movies come out now, and this this is one that's well regarded. But I just, I, it's just something I just don't understand. Um, I know a lot of it's very influential on, say, like Stranger Things, but I got, I got to say, I like Stranger Things more than I like this this movie. Um, and uh, you know, Spielberg's good at capturing those what it, moments that it feels like to be a kid, and I, I, I get that, but it just, yeah, didn't d- didn't do much for me. I'm surprised he doesn't have a sequel to this. Uh in development somewhere. E.T.? Yeah. Seems, <laughs> seems like they're trying to do all those again. All those movies from the 80s. I, I That's interesting. I mean, there's, like, that's still everything you like about Spielberg, but in a movie that you don't like. Yeah. Like, that's that's like the alien wasn't scary. <laughs> yeah. Should have <laughs> blew that sucker away. Um, yeah. Huh. Do you guys wow. like? Do you guys? That kind like of blows movie? my mind. I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I did. Yeah. I, I think. See, that's a movie that never would have crossed my mind for this list because one, it's been so long since I've seen it. But like, I don't know. The it has that nostalgia factor, I suppose, and like you have to kind of immediately rule that out because of that. Um. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. All right, number ones. Uh, my number one, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, is Gone with the Wind. Um, this is a long movie to sit through, especially if you start realizing, you know, halfway through, the movie really isn't that great. It's, you know, you, you're impressed with how epic it is and, you know, knowing when it, the time period in which they filmed it and how impressive that is to to shoot but the movie itself and the story um yeah it does not hold up i haven't seen it ever ever yeah i've never seen it 
I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on it because it really it's in similar to Green Book. It doesn't hold up in some, um, yeah, particular ways. It's, it's, that, they're they're still getting it wrong a hundred years yeah, later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, it'd be one thing if if you just like you know it didn't hold up because of sort of societal issues and how it portrays certain groups of people but it's not that great of a movie end of the day like that's so why 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 is it what what is what do you not like about it i think it's the achievement and and uh, yes you know they can you can never once you get to a certain year well you know whatever year it is 1940 or something you can't touch those the highly acclaimed movies like you know you can't criticize them you can't anything um, you know, they're, but I guess like in the hall of fame, you know, but I, yeah. what I'm asking is like, what you, what did you not, what, what did not work for you, Jeremy? Um, it's probably boring. Well, yes, it was, it was boring. It's long. Um, the, the relationship between the two main characters is, is awkward, uh, at best. Hmm. It just seems like there's these two people that don't like, they just don't belong together and don't belong in the same film. Um, being f- forced to interact in a way that you just, it just, uh, yeah, it, it feels off. Okay. Um, I'm going to go the other direction here um, with my number one. It's a film from 2010 that has a 90 on Metacritic. It is Winter's Bone from Deborah Granick. Uh, this was like, this was all the rage in the indie circuit in in 2010, and I just didn't understand. I, I thought this movie was just not good, and the biggest uh, credit it was getting, what everybody was so excited about, was the stakes in this movie that were just, like, the highest you've ever seen. And the, those stakes were her dad is missing. It's kind of a big yeah. deal. I guess. And if they don't find her, they're going to take her house. So I guess it's a little more than that. But, like, I just... Uh, <laughs> Wait a second. It's a great movie. <laughs> no, and I just I didn't think Jennifer Lawrence was anything special in this, and this was, like, her launching uh, launching pad. Um, I, yeah, and, I, you know, Deborah Granick did uh, Leave No Trace last year, which I thought was much better than this and got no credit, no acclaim, nothing. Um but I just I, I remember and you if you listen if you've been listening to the podcast for many years you probably heard my gripes about this movie back in 2010 and it, it stems mostly from the acclaim this wouldn't I wouldn't care about I wouldn't gripe about this movie if it wasn't a 90 on Metascore and everybody talking about how good it was and everything but because of that it just made me angrier. I think Lee, you're, it's inter- I'm glad you brought this movie up because I just looked at. I think it, you know, it went, in the context of our conversation about, you know, what do the Oscars mean? To a, to a certain extent, you could take, you could ask the same question about, you know, what an aggregated Metacritic score or you know Rotten Tomatoes score means. But this film was on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pretty, you know, reputable critics' number one film of the year, which is obviously like. I, I always think of it as a pretty good barometer for yeah. a quality film. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really interesting to me that, that, uh, that you're, I mean, it got so much, it's, it just seems to be beloved by everybody. 
and and 2010 was a really good year too for movies. I mean that right. the King's Speech was the best picture winner, but Social Network was that year which we're all high on. Inception, 127 Hours, Black Swan, True Grit were among the best uh, best picture nominees. Social Network best picture of the decade, right? Uh, amongst for some of us, yeah. I thought like it was sort of the general consensus. Yeah, probably. You guys among, had it at your number us. twos, but right, and you had a number one. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, look, like that—that that was a great year, and for everybody to latch on to Winner's Bone just seemed strange to me. Yeah, I remember being underwhelmed by that movie. I mean, I honestly don't remember it. I remember I, there were some point she was recently. eating a squirrel or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. you're so about, right about that. That is such an interesting year. And the, and the King's Speech one out of all those movies. Oh, my God. Look at this. Did you say look at this? Yeah, I'm just looking at the nominees. Anyway. <laughs> we're not with you. I can't <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, come uh, here. I like how we waited to see something, too. <laughs> What's he going to show us? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, all right. So, Chapin, you're number one. Uh, my number one is uh, a film that I recently saw uh, again um, in, a, in in a theatrical setting, which is unique at a um, here in Portland. And I, I just I I think it was it was good that I saw it because it just you know, being forced to watch it, I, I just, it, it solidified, I, 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 it was a totally different opinion that I had when I first saw it, and that's uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Um, Interesting, wow. I, I just, I really did not like it. Man, um, I, I was, you guys heard me mention a little while back that yeah, upon rewatching Vertigo, I mean, I mean, uh, Vertigo, yeah. Yeah, that I, I, I didn't like it. I was kind of afraid to put it on this list because I didn't know if I'd be able to articulate why I didn't like it well enough to be taken seriously. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's interesting. Wow. Because, yeah, I remember Lee talking about Vertigo and now you're over here saying Psycho overrated. Yeah. Should we, we should do a Hitchcock yeah. marathon we and really get Hitchcock? into this. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I feel sacrilegious kind of saying that, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll hopefully get some angry emails that we can read out next week, but um, uh, I, what I read about the film later on was that um, he kind of went back to the this sort of, he, he, he used a sort of TV format to, to film the, the movie, in other words, uh, a sort of format in, in how they made the film and budgeted and scheduled and you can kind of tell it's it sort of looks cheap um i think with the exception of um i'm sorry who's the gentleman that plays uh anthony perkins anthony perkins thank you i thought he was like a trans transcended in that role but i thought the acting was bad except for him um i i just did not find the film interesting at all and i think uh, you know, you you're sitting there watching this, you know, rather complicated, some complicated ideas being, um, you know, der- explained on on screen, and the whole film is sort of wrapped up by this like monologue from the detective at the end. I mean, you know, I just did not find that to be a very um, compelling way to wrap up a film like that. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and yeah, please give us an email. Uh, we'd love to get um, some more ideas for top fives from you guys. Um, I think this was a really good one. What do you guys think? I think that was a, a really nice suggestion. We have actually a few more you know, in the bank that we're, we'll probably keep doing, but we'd love to 
uh, get some ideas from you guys. So uh, hit us up at feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. It's also below. Um, you can find it in the information uh, description of the podcast uh, in your podcast app. And, you know, we'd love to have you guys share and tell us uh, what you th- uh, what you think about the podcast and, and encourage a friend to listen. We're trying to get our numbers up and we always appreciate a recommend. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.